1: Focused on helping organizations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome to episode 128 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Ryan Swenson and Yaz Grelianas on the show with us today. Yaz is the founder and chief evangelist, and Ryan the CEO of Soconomy, an organization that makes circularity the new normal while creating opportunities for people of all abilities. Soconomy is the evolution of the world's biggest garage sale, founded by Yaz in 2013, as a concept in circularity. Yaz believes, if you think you can, you will. If you think you can't, you won't. I've never met anyone so passionate about helping people and the planet. Ryan believes that the transition to a net zero, carbon, circular future requires visionary thinking, the ability to mobilize complex stakeholder groups, and a strategic mindset to articulate and associate all the financial environmental and social benefits the win-win between all of these let's get into the episode yaz and ryan thank you so much for joining us today thank
2: thanks you. great to be here
1: yeah appreciate it Yaz, i'll start with you if you don't mind what's what's your backstory Yaz, and i know it's a solid one but just at a high level what's your backstory that led you down this path this economy
0: Oh, look, I think if we if we go all the way from, you know, when I entered the workforce to when economy or World's Biggest sale became a concept, it was really about how do we activate dormant goods for good, the idle assets in our homes and businesses, and how do we actually make money from these products so that it can make an impact. And I guess after the first um, World's Biggest sale 10 years ago this year, um, I remember feeling quite addicted to the notion of, being able to solve this problem at scale. At the time, I had no idea how we would do it. And just on the back of those intros, I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear because how you do it is with people and people, planet purpose has always been a statement for our business. And I couldn't be more proud to be doing it alongside Ryan, who's who's our newly appointed CEO and an absolute game changer for the business.
1: I appreciate it, Yaz. And and for listeners, Yaz and I have met up a fair few times throughout that journey and uh, different events. It's been great to watch it what should evolve and what you've achieved. Ryan, what's your backstory, mate? What, what led you down this path towards circularity and, and, you know, becoming the CEO of this economy?
2: Yeah. Um, so my background, uh, my, I guess first part of my career was in merchandise and buying. So that commercial uh, side of things. And then I um, did some extra study in MBA and sustainability with the view to transition to sustainability and, um, through my time at Office Works, was uh, you know really fortunate to have the opportunities that I was able to transition that career, um, ultimately heading up sustainability in ESG. And uh, through that journey and um, what we we're able to achieve, led us to the partnership with um, with Yaz. Back in two thousand and eighteen, I think we kicked off, um, and so it's been ever since then. Uh, you know, this values alignment we often talk about, but just I think we're both so passionate. Um, Want to move at pace, and so when the opportunity came up to um, join economy full time, it was, I guess, probably a, a full coming of my career, given my commercial and circularity background and experience in leadership roles. So, yeah,
1: that's, it's that's awesome. It. And for our global listeners, uh, you know, Ryan and I have only met once before, but I've seen the evolution of Office Works over the time. And there's, you know, it's one of the premium companies where you think of circularity in the store where you can drop back items and so much achieved through people running improvement every day around circularity. It's a, it's been amazing watching that journey, even though Ryan, you and I haven't connected until recently.
2: Yeah. Thanks Brad. Definitely.
1: And it's not easy to achieve, is it? Like it's not easy to achieve, but the first question I wanted to ask, and I might ask you first on this Ryan is how can environmental improvement within organizations help environmentally, economically, and socially and how big is the opportunity there
2: yeah look from my experience and what we're able to achieve at office works we know that it can contribute significantly um to the performance of the business and we would always take that through a value creation lens so um, i suppose over the long term how it can improve your reputation um, or in the short term, increase your revenue. And uh, you know, one point that I used to use as a data point was our sustainable products were growing three times faster than more traditional products. So that was transitioning, you know, translating directly to revenue. And then on the flip side, it's about reducing those negative impacts. So we were able to take out cost um, by, as we became a zero waste business. So at one point, Uh, our waste was in a revenue stream that used to be a a pretty significant expense line, Um, but then also how it plays into risk mitigation over time and and really preparing yourself for what's coming, whether that's legislative requirements um, or other emerging risks. And so I think the value piece is really um, such a key driver of how you accelerate and, and um, ultimately progress environmental progress and social progress. But it takes a level of maturity and understanding to really unlock those value points and then talk to those with confidence because ultimately they're the um, data points that can really progress. And so for me, when I joined economy and all the work we've done together with Yaz, it's always about um, what's the commercial uh, result here, because we know when we're trying to shift the private sector um, in that you know constraints around um, operating profitable sustainable businesses, if we can really understand um, the commercial um, case, then we'll be able to accelerate um, the social environmental progress.
1: Yeah that's amazing. So I really hear in that response there, Ryan, that you know I guess it's proven now that there is commercial outcomes, you know mm-hmm. cost and uplift. And what you're saying is it's about being clear on that, you know, putting the time and the analysis in to actually understand that and find those win-wins.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think the challenge is that often the benefit, like we have to take – not such a traditional approach about where we might see those financial benefits on the P&L what function that might sit in. It's often much more holistic. And so some of the work we've been doing lately is actually providing benefits from uh, when we prepare products. It's reducing the, the number of products that are written off or marked down. It's saving team member time repairing them. It's providing a better customer experience. It's reducing logistics. So you're starting to unlock benefit across everything from operations, supply chain, merchandise. And when we step back and take that, that more holistic view around the benefits, we can definitely see that there's a really clear business case around why you would invest in um, environmental and social initiatives.
1: That's great. Thanks, Ryan. Yasmin, from your side, you know, creating a company where the culture is about these win-wins, but also the social factor, you know, the, the people good factor mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, providing opportunities to people of all abilities. What have you found has been so important to actually making that happen?
0: Yeah it's really interesting Brad because as I hear Ryan articulate the way he did and and he came from a large organisation with that really deep acumen around the economical benefits being often the first and foremost priority in a business when you start to flip the narrative and as a startup like it, most startups are not making money in their first few years so there was probably never a really big focus for me on how do we make money I came from a corporate background so I automatically thought Well, it's a no brainer. We'll make money. At what point? I didn't know the answer. But what I knew is if that is that if we focused on our people and the planet first and actually thought about how do we bring together with a really strong cultural commitment to community, how do we bring together an enterprise that's commercially viable? Of course, park that. We knew that that would be the case. But how do we actually really? double down on the impacts for the people how do we actually measure it because it's not a measurement tool in your profit and loss statement um, i often joke we need pli reports profit loss and impact and i would certainly um and have articulated that many times to companies like zero because we really need to be able to have on the balance sheet and our P&Ls the value that goes far beyond the metrics and i used to say um You know, metrics matter, but moments matter too. So being able to measure those moments through storytelling, through sharing of the essence and energy of the business and some of those outcomes that were not necessarily outputting commercial gain those outcomes would often have a much stronger ripple effect on changing someone's life than any amount of money that we could have made in the early days. So we really just doubled down and stuck stuck true to our values at all times, knowing that eventually the commercial reality of the business success would become a part of the energy system that we would eventually have a focus on without losing the heart. And I said that to Ryan right at the start, the garage logo was always a love heart. And while we didn't retain the love heart with the rebranding and and we shouldn't because we've evolved immensely, but at the core, our love heart is still right there beating in the business every single day. And that love factor of ensuring its people and planet has not been diluted with our um, evolution of commercial game.
1: Yeah, so, yes. so it really sounds to me like that piece on purpose and that purposeful element and being able to measure it and bring it into the forefront just like financial measures and things like that we, that we do. But also that that values, that principle-based piece of the organisation plays a big part.
0: Absolutely. And I think what was different for us and unique, and I would encourage people to have an awareness of this, is working with someone like Ryan really early back in 2018 when we collided around not knowing how we would um, like we we said at the time we took surprise chain and turned it into supply chain but i don't think neither ryan nor myself knew um the value we didn't know we thought we'll start small we'll experiment we'll work together with trust and transparency and those values have stayed true throughout the evolution of the relationship with office works obviously the investment from office works but more, most importantly now the evolution of someone like ryan coming on board and leading the business to the future
1: yeah it's great thanks yaz ryan from uh from uh a- um, corporate point of view, you know, where you talk that existing company and it's clear that the win-wins are there, clear as day. But how do you get a senior executive on board and actually the, the whole senior exec on board and start to shift a culture of that existing legacy business? What what does that look like?
2: Yeah, um, well, I think, you know, you, you started your last question with Yaz around culture. And what I would say is culture the single most important piece of this. Um, how do you actually drive change and sustainable change and embed norms within the business now obviously uh sustainability culture is is part of broader organizational culture um what i what i would say it's obviously an approach that you need to look at um you know people at all levels throughout the business so i think a starting point to get senior um, executives aligned is the materiality process which um you know you, you talk to people about doing an assessment or understanding what their issues are. Some think, "Oh, we know what they are." But I think just mm-hmm. that process of actually embedding good governance, um, going through a workshop and aligning uh, expectations is really important if, if you're just starting. Um, and then from that, setting targets um, that you know, long-term targets. In the office works, we set our first ones back in 2015, which mm-hmm. really um, you know what was the first time we had five-year targets. So it started to really change the narrative and what we're working towards. And then on the flip side, think about how do you reach all of the other people across the organization? Um, in our case, it was about 9,000 people. Um, you know, The starting point seems to be if you think about people and planet first, um, I would say most people want to do the right thing and, and want to contribute positively. All the research shows that everyone wants to make more sustainable actions. It's always about <clears throat> excuse me, how do you make it easy um, uh, for them to do that? So Um, and and make it tangible. And so in our case, um, you know, the the starting point was around recycling. So everyone does it at home, you know, it's pretty ingrained in our culture in Australia, Um, uh, but how do you then make that really practical in the workplace where people can see the difference they're making? Um, And so we went through a program where we would take uh, stores and team members off-site, tip their bin upside down, they would sort it out, and then they could see what was actually going to landfill, 80% of that could have been recycled. Now, that was uh, one example of a high intense um, workshop and a day off site for 50 stores over a couple of months. But what that led to was actually embedding this culture of zero waste and and sustaining that change. And we went from 67% recycling rates um, up over to 92%. And ultimately, that is what led to the partnership with um, with Yaz and and Worldview well, Scottish all the time because we had people in the business now fully aware of how I can change and we need to find a solution for this. What partners can we work with? And so the really exciting piece comes when you actually start to unlock that, empower the teams, and you get these. You know, great um, innovations that come up across many levels. People feel like they're a part of it, can see how they can make a change. And we always, you know, probably, well, why well, such a good alignment. Um, this economy, I used to talk about in our team, sustainability, that let's start up. You know, let's, let's be that uh, internal team that helps uh, remove barriers and, and help get little initiatives off the ground so we can scale. And, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, yes. so yeah, I, I focus on culture and then the tools and levers you've got in your toolbox to to shift it.
1: Oh that's great. that's great.
2: So we've spoken,
1: yeah, as we spoke about culture and purpose and then Ryan, you've reinforced it, mm-hmm. but you mentioned that a key thing is to get the leadership on board to look at I guess that vision you you talk about and then th- set targets and think how do we mobilize, you know start to align together mm-hmm. and then it's about reaching out and you gave a great example where, You've reached out through quite a uh, unique event of just basically looking at something that's easy for people to make some gains on and start oh, to get inspiration really? about this win-win environmental economic type type journey.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'd probably just add then it's the feedback loop. So once you get the momentum, to my earlier point, how are you reinforcing um, the benefit of what you're achieving? Mm. And once you, you know, that kind of feeds itself with the with the buying of. Um, uh leader leadership teams and
1: then also the behaviors of the trials all the way down yeah wow well,
2: um yeah
1: as for yourself like yes yeah, what have you found apart of, like on the purpose and um culture piece what have you found has really helped amplify that you know within the world's biggest garage sale before and also now going forward you know really take this culture and this purpose bit to another level
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Brad, because I think what we're seeing is, you know, statistics and data will tell you that people are staying in jobs for a shorter period of time, they're job jumping, they're sometimes boomeranging back to businesses after years outside of one. And I actually feel that the essence of what people are seeking is more than just a job, more than just a title and more than just a LinkedIn profile of impressive dot points and and I suppose years of, of different roles in different businesses. And And I often talk about, you know, when you meet people, the natural question is often, so what do you do? And I feel like within our business and certainly businesses like ours, it's less about what do you do and more about who are you? And we're understanding the human behind the title and the person behind the profile. And even in our job descriptions, like we're not just sending out copy paste examples of here's all the dot points we want. There's a lot of energy that goes into the way in which we write our ads and the way in which we talk about our business that comes very innately natural to everybody in the business, but we're really on purpose about um, attracting talent that is not just here to be a part of the team and for it to be a line item on their resume. We really look to seek and attract, and it happens organically, um talent that is more about how can they make a difference and how can they be part of a team that gets to actually drive strategic change and systems change in a in an ecosystem that's such an exciting high growth area where sometimes yeah and a lot of the time we're still very startup oriented we get to make mistakes we get to fail fast there's a lot of permission to to not be perfect and there's a lot of systems that get built because of the very people that um, help create the systems and that's what i love about an organization like ours at this phase of our life cycle as well is it's about the who are you not not the what you do
1: yeah and yes i can vouch for that who are you i coach a lot of younger people and older people and business and improvement so many of them recently have altered careers because they like okay there's a greater purpose over there and Absolutely. the money is not even in the equation it's like okay i think i can go over there and i can actually make more of a difference to the elderly or this is doing a lot more for the planet and they're a lot more driven in that regard mm-hmm. and people are moving as that topic is being number one about people and the planet
0: Mm, absolutely. And, Ryan, you're the epitome of that, like safe job, Officeworks, amazing company, big brand, exceptional leader. You could have continued to climb the, the ranks at Officeworks for the next five to ten years, but instead you jumped ship and came on board to this economy, and, and some would see that as a step backwards, but I actually think it's a leap forwards.
2: Oh, it's, it's only forwards. yeah. How good. Yeah, appreciate
1: it. It's, it's certainly exciting times with some of these trends that we're seeing. Ron, from your side, and I'm sure you're across a number of corporate companies and, and all sorts of companies, what stops organizations achieving what you achieved at Officeworks and what you and Yaz are doing at C-conomy? What's What do you find typically derails it, getting yeah. to that true win-win?
2: Yeah. So, I think there is, I'm speaking to about culture, that overarching culture. But outside of that, I mean, sometimes it's just we don't have the solutions and we don't know where to find them and ultimately that's exactly what we're trying to do at economy and if i use my office works example one of our challenges when we were trying to fix uh, or avoid sending faulty furniture to landfill was that we needed a national partner to do that there was no national solution so we started in queensland but i mean we always talk about this i would continually you know nag yes when are, when are we when are you going to the next state um when can we roll this out nationally and hence when the capital raise came up um the investment of office works was you know, as much about providing that national footprint to help a, a startup really scale up and provide solutions to the retail industry more broadly than it was just to um, see the benefit uh, at Office directly. So I think um, one is around access to those solutions, and um, you know, our message and the way we're working with partners is no different to how we worked at Office Works. Was let's start small and co-create the right solution because. You know, let's, let's remove that um, sense that can be a bit overwhelming. We're tackling this big problem and just get some quick wins. And if we're doing it in a way that we can get the data points, we can prove the concept, we then can support whether it's more investment, um, work on the rollout together or go back to the business with a really clear business case. Um, so I think that's, that's one. And then, um, yeah, really just about making it easy because at the end of the day, I don't think there's any shortage of people that, that see the issue and want to make a change. One thing I have seen um, in many conversations now is that often, you know, it's not a sustainability team that that are raising an issue. It's people right throughout the organisation that are saying, this doesn't seem right. Like, I've been told to either throw these items out or we've got this whole lot of product that's sitting here. There has to be another way. Um, And those people are reaching out, making connections. So, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, we've all got a role to play. Uh, and it's about making it easy, accessible,
1: and just getting getting started. Yeah, wow. So I heard that it's, a lot of it comes back to that making it easy, but empowering everyone now to be able to do the improvements. But then also, I guess he said, look for those solutions that can just, you can get done those quick wins, those easy solutions, and do it in a co-creation point of view. It, it sounds a lot like a lot of our guests on this show are about agile and lean and continuous improvement. So it's that improvement mindset is what I'm hearing to foster and achieve those wins.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, we say progress over perfection Uh, that's been thrown around in many organizations, but let's just get started um, because I think you can sometimes get lost in trying to really, you know, build out a a large approach. You know, it is that true startup mentality that let's test and learn, but do it together, de-risk it, and then um, look at how we can really scale um, at pace.
1: That's yeah. that's awesome, and you you look at what that approach, like the gains are massive. We we've, we've touched on today, retention, gaining employees, economic gains, sales increase, gains, branding growth, all all sorts of gains. So yeah, create create that continuous improvement, purpose, culture led focus, and get the small wins. And it's interesting too, Ryan. How how important would you put? You mentioned in there too, starting to capture some data around it. How important is that to start to capture some information about it and data to be able to feed back through the business?
2: Yeah, so it's it's really important, um, but I think also you can, you know, you can probably get bogged down in too much data. So it's, it's about, about understanding what are the really the key metrics that will support the case? What are you really uh, trying to test and learn? What's your hypothesis? Building that in and then measure the right things, report on the right things, and ultimately iterators needed to, to get the right outcome.
1: Yeah, don't overcook and strangle the whole process based on too much data.
2: Exactly,
1: yeah. Okay, great. So true, so true. (laughs) Achieving gains for the planet, people and profit, such three important things that every organisation can do, no matter of its size, small or global. And there's so much opportunity for us all to gain here right now after the COVID interruption. Let's rethink how we want to be working. Let's think about creating a better future for our kids and grandkids. Is there anything more important than that? Our future generations. We've put together an ebook called Agile, Lean and Green to help you quickly look at ways to make gains for your organization to progress towards a more sustainable and economically better future. It's set up with five simple steps and resources and podcast episodes linked that can really help you move forward and get gains go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash green to download it it's free of charge we want to help create a better future for generations to come so again that's enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash green please like subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future let's get back to the episode Yes, yeah, I'm really keen to ask you with Soconomy. We've mentioned it a few times throughout the show so far. Like, what is Soconomy now and what is the focus of Soconomy moving into the future?
0: Oh, look, I think that um it, it's really ultimately a world where nothing goes to waste, including human potential. And and Soconomy has a range of products and services that really do support the evolution of a more circular world. Hence, economy is our focus, right? Mashing together those words, circular and economy, wasn't designed by accident. We really feel like there's so much opportunity around um, creating a world where nothing goes to waste. And for us, you know, take, make waste, that linear economy was has always been the way we do things, you know. And to be able to demonstrate a true circular notion around retail, around wholesale, around products and services, we we knew we needed to double down on actually delivering some of those projects and programs to be able to build that trust and transparency so that we could move into that refurbish, reuse, repurpose, repair, you know, recycle and re-commerce um, acceleration of the circular economy. Uh, in terms of our products and the evolution of the economy, I mean, you know, we're an evolving business. We have products and services today that that deliver outstanding circular outcomes for businesses, but they're not the only products and services that we'll continue to offer because with our clients we do co-create and we ensure that there is a world where nothing goes to waste and we're hugely collaboratively working with the whole ecosystem and, and I know Ryan articulates this really well, but this isn't just about Soconomy standing at the top of the mountain and, you know, beating our chest saying, whoa, look at what we did. We actually want to take the ecosystem on the journey with us and co-opetition, collaboration, connection, that's all a big part of the value system of what Soconomy does.
1: Uh, thanks, Yaz. And hence, like you both coming on the podcast here to share, you know, mm-hmm. your, your backgrounds and knowledge, you know, we really appreciate it. Certainly will help create a better future. On, on that, I might I ask you. Um, oh, sorry, Ryan.
2: Yeah. So, Greg, can I elaborate on, uh, on on Yaz's part? There's a bit to unpack in there, but from my side, what I'd probably build on is you know, when we think about the mission of how we get there, it's really about mobilising dormant goods um, in order to limit buying or using uh, new virgin resources. When we think about dormant goods, there's an endless amount of supply. So, we see our role as how do we really capture that supply in a really efficient way so we can make it economical. Um, but then we need to stimulate the demand side to rehome that and find solutions out. So in a really practical sense for us, we've got our circular services and that's building on the refurbishment and repair side of things in our, in our precincts, but also mobilising our teams um, under our response squads, uh, which we've launched, um, to, to deploy the skills where they're needed. So that could be going and doing office defits. It could be going to support with the closures or refits of retail stores, cruise ships um containers that have uh some faulty or damaged product in there it's really quite broad um, and then on the uh demand side we've got our outlet in brisbane and we'll be looking to um open more outlets um, to give that bricks and mortar solution but also there's our online play so um and then finally underpinning all of that is our impact um and data esg from um, of side of things so we can capture the benefits and really um, provide those um, insights back to our partners
1: oh that's awesome That's awesome. And it's an amazing journey where you've come from and where you're going forward. On that, I'm really keen to ask you both this question. I'll start with you, Yaz. Other organizations will be listening to this, leaders, business improvement managers, environmental um, leaders. What would be a two-minute tip you'd give them to help their organization move forward and create a better future and profit people on the planet?
0: Oh, look, I'll take the founder perspective. And I still remember getting the first 40 pallets from Officeworks under an anonymity project where neither of us knew what we were going to do. And we were opening boxes and counting pens and pencils and erasers and filing cabinets were coming indented. And, you know, the the view of even my team at the time was, oh, we'll have to throw that out, get rid of that, get rid of that, recycle this. And what we actually did is we said, no, let's, let's look for another pathway. Let's bring the brains trust together. And let's physically make um, ourselves uncomfortable by asking ourselves different questions. So it's about bringing everyone together, having the physical um, problem in front of us and being able to generate ideas. And I still remember handwriting on big pieces of butcher paper that actually came out of that surprise chain, you know, refurbish renew, repurpose. And all of our res really were born on that warehouse floor when we had no idea how we were going to execute on all of this. And so I guess the underlying message is you don't need to know the end. We didn't need to know how we were going to get there in this perfectly um, flowing way. We thought this will be messy, this will be hard, we're going to get our hands dirty and we really do need to solve this problem. We had the trust of a client prepared to invest in us by providing us with products so we could design a solution and there were no rules and there were no barriers and we had to crush our own self-imposed barriers. So I guess, you know, in the end it comes back to if you think you can, you will. And if you think you can't, you won't. I believed we could. Um, I even back then believed we'd get to where we are today, but I didn't know how and that didn't stop us. So it was less about understanding the perfect markers between then and now and understanding that we could trust ourselves, back ourselves in and just take very small incremental steps every day and learn, fail, learn, fail, but keep this beautiful relationship. Ultimately the relationships of trust was was really what carried us through those times.
1: That's awesome. Yes. I can hear this foundation of culture, but really focus on your purpose and move into the gray, move into that uncertain, learn and adapt, learn, adapt, learn, adapt. That's really cool. Ryan, what would be your Enterprise Excellence two-minute tip to that listener who's thinking, I want to move forward, create a better future in my organization?
2: Yeah, I think um, probably probably the key is find those values aligned people and partners that will help you get to where you want to get to. Um, you know, I know when I started Officeworks, we didn't have a sustainability team. Uh, I think there was talk of a sustainability committee and, you know, I just put my hand up and said, I want to be part of that. Um, and then really that doors and it's you know i think it is really powerful what a few people that are really passionate can actually um the change they can drive and then on the you know looking externally we don't expect it, it, no one expects everyone to have all the answers so find those partners that have similar values and can help you get there and co-creators we've spoken about um and, and just get going
1: yeah that's awesome i can really hear in that response you know form that community of like-minded people, even though you mightn't have everyone on the bus and start mm. to move and then more will join the movement. I don't know if you've both seen that crazy dancer video from the TED yes. talk. I thought that's, that's a really cool one. Absolutely.
0: First, <laughs> Ryan's definitely the first follower and I'm very comfortably being that shirtless crazy person at the at the, at the um, festival. But I'll add to what Ryan just said, and, and this has been the real, I suppose, um, key and core ingredient in why we're where we are today. And I've, you know, I bang on about it. That's the founder's job, right? Like, you know, the founder's usually a little bit more scrappy and, and and that's why founders don't scale businesses and people like Ryan do. So I'm really passionate about the fact that as a founder, you don't have all the answers and you really do need to leave your ego at the door and ensure that you can bring in values-aligned partners. We really struck gold in in at back then, four years ago, when Ryan and I collided and I just felt like people used to say to me all the time, how did you get Officeworks? Like literally that's what they would say to me as a founder. How did you get Officeworks? What do I need to do to go and get those big clients? And it was always, we'd never got Officeworks. It was always relational trust and relational value that eventually built that transactional value in. And Ryan and I have always been values-aligned leaders and I think back I think today, looking back then, what a gift that was to us to have been able to collide like that. And two very different leaders from two very different industries, but with very strong values alignment, that was the core foundation of everything. And it has and continues to be the core for our future growth.
1: Yeah. Difference difference creates power, doesn't it? Like it Absolutely. amazing outcomes. Um Quick one. Yaz, what's been a recent insight or learning for you, something you've learned that you didn't know before?
0: Well, probably going back to what I just said around um, understanding that I, I read a book or listened to an audio book called Rocket Fuel in relation to I always said I didn't want to be the CEO of the business moving forward. And people would cringe when a founder says like, like that. They get scared that the founder's going to leave. And I mean, there's an essence of the founder that does need to stay in the business for a period of time. And what what my best value insight has been is that, you know, as as our new incoming CEO and Ryan's been in the business now, gosh, five months, Ryan, at the at today's right. date, or they're about three months. Oh my God, it right. feels like forever. It feels right. like three years. But what I learned is that um You know, when you are able to have a safe space to communicate what it is that you're passionate about, where it is that your superpowers lie, and we all have superpowers, what I've really um, learned is that articulating what it is that you want is how you get what you need And you just need to surround yourself with people who are prepared to support you. And again, you know, Ryan's been an incredible leader that's come into the business. And I don't think you can ever devalue the importance of getting the right people um, supporting you and around you, either in your business or as mentors and advisors, and just choose them wisely. Because if you make the right choices, you can catapult to the future. And not just, you know, for me as Yaz and Soconomy and all of the things that... um, correlate with those two brands, like I'm a person but I'm also part of the business, Um, Ryan's Ryan's really come in with a, a wonderful view that, you know, we all have the capability to really play in our lane And that Rocket Fuel book really articulated it beautifully for me and helped me own what it is I'm good at. And I no longer needed to feel like I had to be the chief everything officer in the business, which is a real dichotomy for founders. But um, I was really fortunate to be supported significantly well through that process. And um, I, I send that message out there on purpose because a lot of founders think they have to just bed themselves to their roles for whatever reasons or whatever or whatever perceptions, but you actually don't. So that's been a really great insight that I hope that I my experience can I can share with others to help them unapologetic unapologetically own what and who they want to be in their business moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's so powerful, isn't it? Because the the team of diverse and different people will always outgun an individual, won't it? That sounds like a great book, that rocket fuel. So that that sounds real cool. Ryan, what's been a recent insight for you, a recent learning?
2: Yeah, um, look, it's probably not anything overly groundbreaking, but probably more reinforcing. It's just the power of trust. Uh, I think, you know, obviously trust can be spoken about in a lot of different contexts, whether it's reputation, what that means from a customer perspective, um, in the context of teams, how you build that trust in high performance. Uh, But, you know, having been through, um, yeah, the last 12 months, um, coming into the team and just seeing the power of trust and how we can go about create the environment where, where trust and pride and then what that means in terms of actually working with partners. And we talk a lot about working at pace and really what underpins that is trust. And if mm-hmm. you don't have trust or if you haven't established that, that understanding or level of trust that, that you really maximise, I suppose, um, you, it's holding you back. And that goes from anything as a leader and how we work as a team to how do we establish those partnerships with, with organisations that we do want to co-create with? How do we be really clear about that? Um, mm. and, and I suppose to me as a leader, that's always been a big part, but probably coming into a you know a new role of CEO and seeing it at the various levels in this capacity is probably just really reinforced the importance um, and value of it.
1: Yeah, I can understand. I read a book once called The Speed of Trust. I think it was from mm. Stephen Covey, Jr., and that was interesting, that topic, wasn't it? Um, Yasmin and Ryan, thank you so much for your knowledge and insights and everything you have done and everything you continue to do to help us create a better future, which is what's more perfect than a better economic outcome, environmental outcome, and social outcome. It ticks a few boxes, doesn't it? How How can people reach out to you? How can they get linked into soconomy
2: Well, I think we're both pretty accessible. Um so, you know, LinkedIn definitely, um, I'll reach out directly to Soconomy, but we're always open to hearing from new people and hearing new challenges. That's what we um, thrive on, I think, isn't it, Yaz?
0: Absolutely, we do. And we're very passionate about uh, responding to and working with people who are looking to create their, new, their own new version of Soconomy within their own businesses.
1: That's awesome. Well, Yasmin, Yaz and Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for helping us create a better future.
0: Thanks,
1: Brad. Thank Uh, you. Bye for now. What a great episode. Remember, you can visit our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash green to get hold of the Agile Lean and Green guide that we've put together to help you create a better future. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insight and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. Collaborate with like minded people who share your vision and purpose. Move into the grey, improve rapidly, learn, and keep going. This is such a great thing for anyone in any role and any organisation to think about. Sometimes we don't move forward and really try to make a difference because we're waiting on leadership, we perceive barriers that are stopping us, or we're waiting for other things to fall into place. Find your community of passionate people, align your vision together, and create a purpose for what you're about and start experimenting you know do something learn from it adapt go again you know we can move fast and move forward and create a better future no matter where we are the second key takeaway for me is make it easy this message came through multiple times in this episode a lot of the time we can overcomplicate systems and processes particularly when we're trying to improve things I'm I'm the culprit of this in the past and have um, caused issues in this area the key is that we don't make measurement too complex. You know, we make it what it needs to be. Um, we make it easy for people to actually make the change and make things happen. Rather than make them ju- have to jump through hoops, follow strict um, criteria that can be quite stifling. You know, we need to let people have an element of creativity in what they do in ownership and autonomy. You know, sometimes we make improvements too big you know, rather than just tackle small improvements towards a bigger vision and celebrate them as we make know keeping it simple and making it easy is such an important thing to remember particularly when you're looking to implement change to make things better like you are when you're looking to drive improvement towards people profit and the planet thanks again for your time and knowledge Yaz and Ryan thanks for helping us create a better future bye for